Wait, there we go. Wait, hold on. Okay, now I'm echoing. Hold on. You know, you know what happened? I hit the wrong button. <laughs> I hit the wrong button. I hit the wrong button, guys. So, uh, can you guys hear me now? Let me know if you can hear me now. I am super sorry for that. Uh, I totally started off my podcast in a, in a bad way, but it's it's okay. I hope y'all can forgive me now. I hope you can forgive me for being stupid. Uh, it's early in the morning, so that's my excuse. My excuse is that in the morning, maybe my brain is not clicking as fast as it should. I do have my coffee, though, and coffee makes everything better it, it went for people like me, right? So anyway, I am so sorry, everybody. Please forgive me. Thank you, Renee and Felicia and, and, and uh, Brooklyn Black. I appreciate you. Uh, put your B1 in the chat. Put your B1 in there. Let me know if you can hear me okay. And uh, let me know well, what city you're from. And I'm super sorry for the, uh, I wasted literally two minutes of your life uh, by making you sit here and look at me as, as a meme and making hand signals and stuff, trying to figure out what's going on. I am so damn sorry for that. Anyway, so forget all the apologizing. Let me just make it up to you. How about that? How about I just make it up to you by giving you uh, some conversation and a discussion that I believe is going to help you see the world in a much better way. Uh, it has to do with this lady, Joyanne Reed. And, um, and I really thought that there was a conversation worth having as it pertains to some comments she made about Cornell West. Uh, as you guys know, Cornell West is running for president. Uh, Cornell is uh, is a guy that I uh, I've known for a long time. Uh, I have a certain degree of appreciation for Cornell West, even if he even if he even if he's not uh, my political cup of tea, even if he's a Marxist and I'm not a Marxist, uh, I still like Cornell West. And so let, why don't uh, so what I want to do is kind of hop into this. Do me a favor, hit the thumbs up button, uh, uh, say something in the chat. Let me know that you're here, and uh, let's get it started. And also, in case you can't find me on Instagram anymore, just know that uh, there's a consequence to reading Dr. Claude Anderson books in public. And one of the consequences is that my Instagram, right after I read Dr. Anderson's book publicly, uh, Instagram took me down because they claimed that I was promoting hate speech because I mentioned what Dr. Anderson had to say in his book about immigration policy being bad for black people. Uh, also, I think it was also related to me uh, mentioning affirmative action and how affirmative actions benefited white women more than black people. So uh, they define that as hate speech. Um, it's life. You know, you deal with it. But uh, my Instagram is actually the Black Financial Channel now. So if you want to go to the Black Financial Channel, uh, just feel free to follow me there. And uh, also, if you want to stay connected in a way that they can't interfere with, uh, just uh, text stock to 31996. I will send you profit alerts on stocks that I believe are great investments. Uh, the I send out a profit alert that's going to uh, really be released this morning about 9 a.m. And this is an asset that I know is going to make you money long term. I, 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 I'm putting thousands of dollars of my own family's money into this asset. So I sent you guys this on the profit alert. So just text the word stock to 31996 and you'll receive that uh, in your text message. That way Instagram can't get in the way. All right. So let's hop into the topic today. Let's talk about uh, the, the thing that was on my brain this morning. It had to do with Joy Ann Reed at MSNBC. Uh, give me a guess if you've heard of Joy Ann Reed, if you know who she is. Uh, Joy Ann Reed is a uh, is a black woman who is, you know, um, she's not a stupid lady. I, I don't I don't I'm not here to call her stupid. I'm not here to be mean or anything like that. But I am here to kind of tell you the game and kind of break some of this down for you in terms of what goes on in terms of politics and the manipulation of black people. 
Uh, I believe that politically speaking in this country, there is a mass manipulation of black people that consistently occurs. And typically the people that are used to do this are people that look like you. And uh, I want to kind of uh, talk about this in terms of seeing things that I observe. And uh, there's a brother over at TD Hip Hop Media, which is a great platform that everybody should subscribe to. And he may, he actually may brought this to my attention in his podcast. And I wanted to kind of finish up on some of that conversation and give you kind of a Dr. Boyce breakdown of this. So anyway, uh, Joanne Reed uh, said some things that were really interesting about Cornell West. Now, uh, how many of you are aware that Cornell West is running for president? Uh, let me know if you know that Cornell is trying to become the next president of the United States. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say that I don't I, I'd be very shocked if Cornell was ever elected as president. I don't think that's going to happen. However, I think he's making a point, uh, you know, um, you know, in terms of uh, in terms of agitating. And I think that there is a, uh, a benefit to having outside agitators in any sort of political system. The agitators are the people who stand outside the, the fence and bang on the door and kind of draw attention to the issues that, that the insiders are not talking about. So Cornel West is that agitator agitator. And I think that that agitation is good. Now, one thing that jo Joanne Reed said that got my attention was she literally said that Donald Trump is the white Cornell West. Uh, this was on Twitter, according to the brother uh, at TD Hip Hop Media, and he showed it on the screen. And uh, he said, am I missing something? Or is Donald Trump basically the white Cornell West? Um, and uh, I, I don't know exactly, you know, what she meant precisely, but I can say that uh, I want to ask you all this. Um, you know, you can, whether you vote for Cornell West or not is, is irrelevant here. Uh, it's totally fine who you vote for. I'm going to tell you this right now. I don't care who you vote for. I just want to make sure that that's clear. Give me a yes if we understand each other, that you can vote for whoever you want. I will love you regardless. I'm not here to judge you and tell you who you need to vote for. But do you think that Cornell West is the black Donald Trump or that Donald Trump is the white Cornell West? Give me a yes or no. I mean, what does that comment even make sense? How many of you think that Cornell West is the white Donald Trump or the black Donald Trump or Donald Trump is the white Cornell West? Sorry, I got it wrong. How many of you even think that statement even makes sense? Uh, give me a yes if you think that that comment it makes sense. Give me a no if you think it's crazy. It's 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 in the inaccurate. It's ridiculous. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and say that it's ridiculous. It's it's crazy. It doesn't make any sense. It, it's not a it's it's not a you know a statement that 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 adds up in any way. And uh, and then if you read further down her tweets, and again the brother TD Hip Hop Media brought this up first, and I and I just respect his platform so much. Um, you know she she kind of keeps going in. And, you know, talking about Cornell did Obama ran for president. And uh, and I guess in her mind, she feels like Cornell was a bad person. He was a hater on Obama. And that makes her very angry. And uh, and and the, and the thing about it, though, is that Cornell West actually supported Obama more than she did. Cornell West supported Obama when nobody else would. Cornell West was one of the reasons that Obama even got into office. So he, she, he was very supportive of Obama. What he did, though was he simply asked Obama to do his job. He simply asked Obama to keep campaign promises. And uh, and and that's what led him to becoming public enemy number one. And if you remember, Michael Eric Dyson, unfortunately, and it, it broke my heart because I, I like Cornell and Mike. I, I know I know them, these guys both very, very well. And, um, you know, and I talked to both of them extensively about the other. I talked to Michael at, at Brown University. He and I had a debate. and He and I talked for a good two hours about his frustrations with Cornell. Uh, I talked to Cornell for five hours about some of his frustrations with Dyson. And I remember just feeling like this really sucks. This makes me angry because this is what 
Uh, this is what this Democrat Republican nonsense does to the black community. The Democratic Republican nonsense is designed, in my view, uh, to achieve one simple goal of, of black oppression, which is divide and conquer. Uh, give me a guess. You understand what I'm saying? Divide and conquer is literally a strategy that's been used by oppressors to control the black community since slavery. Right. And, and divide and conquer means that you take two guys, Cornell and Mike. Uh, Michael Eric Dyson, two guys who should be friends, two guys who did great things together. And then you divide them based on politics. Which white man are you going to vote for? Which massa are you going to serve? You know, I go, I go work for McDonald's. You go work for Burger King. So we, you and me get off into some old gangster shit and start kicking each other's ass over who's going to eat a Whopper versus who's going to eat a Big Mac. That's what it is. That's what it is. And, and it's embarrassing. It's ridiculous. It's pathetic. It, it shows weakness. It's, it's, it's unbelievable. And, uh, and and I'm going to tell you like this, it, you'll never win, Black people, as long as you submit to this sort of nonsense, as long as you allow them to do apartheid on you and to divide you, or do you like the Hutus and the Tutsis, the Hutus and the Tutsis in Rwanda? Anybody remember that? Give me a guess if you heard about the massacres in Rwanda that occurred because they took the Hutus and the Tutsis and they took Black people, divided them. Anybody might know about that. If you don't know about it, I need you all to Google that, okay? I need you to Google it because this is how white supremacy works around the world. You want to talk about white supremacy? Let's talk about it. Uh, they do this around the globe. They said, okay, you're the good Negroes. You're the bad Negroes. And we're going to put you in two separate camps, and then we want you all to kill each other, just, just like Crips and Bloods. They did this in India. The United States did this in um, in India. They did it in uh, uh, where you have different... Uh, it wasn't just the U.S. that did it. It was really it actually came from the British. Uh, but they would literally sort darker people by how dark your skin was and have them killing each other over the, their skin color. And then you had um, what was another one? Oh, uh, Iran, Iran. Uh, the United States government went to Iran. And for so many years, they propped up a fake government. They basically had the Iranian equivalent of house Negroes that they gave benefits to uh, artificial power to. And those people uh, be eventually abused those who didn't have the power. And so what happened in the 1970s is that the people eventually took that power back. They went up in that American embassy and got to whooping ass. Go look it up. Go look it up. And the reason I need you to look it up is because I need you to understand ain't nothing new under the sun. Ain't nothing new under the sun. This is what they have been doing to black people and brown people all around the world since for thousands of years. So this is not new. You know, and, and before the you, the Americans did it, the British did it and the French did it and and all this other stuff. So so what I see with Cornell and Michael Eric Dyson and, and this whole nonsense of black people want to beat each other up because you're you're a Trump supporter and I'm not. I just see a, a repetition of history and I need you. And, and, and I understand I don't blame you if you don't understand these things because they don't teach you these things in school. They teach you a bunch of stuff that doesn't matter. That's why you come out and you don't understand the game. Well, I'm, I'm here. I'm a professor. That's my job. My job is to teach. And one of the things I want to teach you is I want you to understand uh, how divide and conquer works and how divide and conquer ultimately ends up harming all of you. So anyway, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, share, subscribe. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. You're watching DrBoyceTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. And I want to give a shout out to uh, Dr. Q's Fresh Breath Club. Uh, Dr. Quigless is a respected black dentist in uh, in uh, St. Louis, and he can take care of all your fresh breath needs. Uh, he has an all-natural at-home dental care subscription with bamboo toothbrushes, mint and charcoal toothpaste tablets, and charcoal teeth whitening strips. Uh, so if you want to uh, not just uh, take a look at his Black-owned products, remember, you're, you're spending all your money with Colgate and and Paul and, and Colgate and Crest and all that. Stop giving them your money. Go to Dr. Q's Fresh Breath Club. 
uh, support a black owned business. Uh, black people own more businesses before integration and before affirmative action than we do right now. Maybe with affirmative action being gone, we'll let go of the false American dream and grab onto the real black American dream or the black people's dream, which is to actually own businesses and have power. Dr. Q's Fresh Breath Club is a great place to start. If you brush your teeth, if you don't want to have stinky breath, uh, go to Dr. Q's Fresh Breath Club. He also has an affiliate program where you can sell his products and get a percentage. Uh, also, I want to remind everybody that if you have kids and you want to educate them on economics in the black business school, we believe in teaching our children uh, finance at, at a level of college students. I can do this. This is what I've been doing for 30 years. Uh, just go to blackmillionairesoftomorrow.com. Uh, and basically everything I taught my students at Syracuse University, I'd love to teach your kids. Uh, we cover real estate, crypto, stock market investing, everything. So blackmillionairesoftomorrow.com is our black business school for children. All right. So let's hop back into the topic of today. All right. So the, the topic of today had to do with Joy Ann Reed. And Joy Ann Reed, as you hit the thumbs up button, Joy Ann Reed uh, effectively uh, referred to Donald Trump as the white Cornell West, which I thought was just the craziest thing uh, to say on earth. Uh, but if you, but it's not so crazy if you really process it, right? if you really think about it, what's happening here. I, I saw another article, and again, the brother from TD Hip Hop Media pointed this out. I got to make sure I'm 100% clear that, that he inspired the thinking that I had this morning. So I, I don't want to sit there and act like these are all um, you know, ideas that I came to on my own. I just saw it and it's almost like I'm doing a remix on a hit song that he made. You know, it's kind of like that. So so effectively, this brother, um, uh, he also pointed out an article that Joanne Reed wrote where he basically uh, was um, where Joanne was basically sort of saying that Cornell's campaign has roots in, in, in the right wing. Uh, in, in sort of right wing conservatism. Right. And uh, and the reference that she appeared to make in the article was uh, ref related to Christianity and that Cornell West, uh, because, you know, he, he agreed with something that Ron DeSantis had said. Uh, you know, it's not that he wants to be like Ron DeSantis. It's not that he's voting for Ron DeSantis. He just said that, you know, I think that uh, that it's OK to uh, allow Christian faith to be implemented into uh, into educational curricula, right? It had to do with, with a scholarship related to the classics, something kind of insignificant, but they basically said, ha ha, you're a right winger. You're a right wing conservative. Ha ha, you said, you, you said Christian. You said you're a Christian. Now I'm gonna ask y'all a question. How many of y'all were raised Christian? Raise your hand. Raise your hand. All the Christians in the building, raise your hand. You ain't gotta go to church. Uh, I'm raising both hands because I my, my mama and my daddy are pretty much Christian pastors. My mama just don't be preaching at the church. My daddy preaches at the church, but my mama be preaching at the house. You know, seriously, I, I have a strong Christian background. Give me a yes. Everybody in here that considers themselves a Christian was raised a Christian, raise your hand. And, uh, and I want to ask you another question after I ask you this. And, I, and I'm making a point here, I promise you. Does being a Christian make you a right-wing um, Republican? Yes or no? Does being a Christian mean that you are um, a member of the KKK, that you want to join the KKK and, or, or the Proud Boys or, or something, or that you want to go out and, you know, start get to lynching Negroes tomorrow? Really, what do you think? Yes or no? Do you think, do you think that that means that, that because you go to church, that means you hate black people and that you align yourself with racists? Because uh, you don't want to, you're not, you're not mad at every white person you see, and you don't think every single white person you meet wants to kill you. And the reason I ask you this question is because I need you to understand the difference between regular people and political entertainers. Regular people are people who understand nuances of society and respect that. Regular people are the ones who say, like you and I, regular people are the ones who say, 
you know, I'm not going to vote for the same person you voted for. Maybe you voted for Trump and I didn't, or you voted for Biden and I didn't. But I can sit down and talk to you, have a cup of coffee with you, have dinner with you. And I can hear everything you say, respect and agree with some and disagree with others. I go to the family barbecue. I got an uncle, uh, you know, I got Uncle Uncle Joe who says stuff that, that I think is out of his mind, but I still love Uncle Joe. I just think he's stupid over on, on this particular topic. Uncle Joe ain't got no sense when it comes to money. He ain't got no sense when it comes to women. He's a little bit sexist. He's a little bit <laughs> old fashioned, but I love my Uncle Joe. How many of y'all, see, that's what regular people do, right? And, and a lot of you, you know, like I, I consider myself like one of these regular people who understands the nuances of life, right? Now, then you've got the other category, another category of what you call political entertainers. Political entertainers are people that are on TV who are paid, who are compensated and make their money by dividing the country as much as they possibly can. They, they, they get paid by various political parties because the money trickles down, right? When the political parties are running for office, they dump money onto these little networks. You know, and I'm talking about everything from Roland Martin across to MSNBC to Fox News to uh, the, the right wingers, uh, the Ben Shapiro types and people like that. They, they get they get paid to just act a damn fool. They get paid for single minded extremism that really only works on the Internet. They get the you know, Candace Owens is, is uh, unfortunately Candace Owens is like a cartoon character. Yeah, and then on the left, uh, on the other side of a Candace Owens, you might have like a D.L. Hughley, who unfortunately also makes himself a little bit one dimensional because it becomes a vote blue no matter who. And for Candace, it is, you know, she sits next to her husband, who's not a black man, and literally uses every black talking point she can find to get black people riled up and, 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 and re traumatized over the things that are already pissing us off. Uh, even though she doesn't seem to provide a lot of meaningful solutions to help solve these problems. If you ask her about something like reparations, I don't know her position exactly, but I'm willing to bet you that Candace is not a supporter of black reparations because her bosses won't allow that. Uh, so, so what I'm saying to you is that you've got these political entertainers who make money by riling you up. They get, they make money by pissing you off. Uh, I've got people in my family on one side of my family. They, a lot of them watch MSNBC. And they come back and they re they're repeating talking points that they heard from Rachel Maddow. And it drives me insane because I literally will be sitting there listening to them framing ideas that they claim are their own. They really say, like, I really came up with this on my own. And I'm sitting here thinking, man, you, you really are repeating every single thing that you just heard on MSNBC. And then I got people on the other side of my family who watch Fox News. And, and they, you know, they're Southern Christian black folk. And they 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 repeat talking points from Sean Hannity, from Tucker Carlson, from all of that. And they don't understand how political entertainment is designed for the manipulation of the masses. They also don't understand how this entertainment is profitable. This this is a downside of capitalism. See, you got to understand, don't forget, I'm a finance PhD, so I understand capitalism very well. I understand the power of money. I understand what money can do for you and what money can do against you if you are not careful. I understand how money can liberate you or how money can turn you into a slave. And so effectively, one of the downsides of capitalism being injected into your politics is twofold. One, your politicians are all bought and paid for. 
You know, that's why they, they do stuff that doesn't make any sense, stuff that's not to the benefit of the American people. If uh, if if Joe Biden wasn't getting paid by all them damn banks that, that paid him money to pass that law so that uh, you can't declare bankruptcy on your student loans. He they paid him money to do this. He passed this law that nobody asked for that says you can't declare bankruptcy on your student loans. If that hadn't happened, you wouldn't have the student loan crisis right now. Your student loans w- would probably be gone because there's a good chance you might have said, you know what, let me just do the bankruptcy and get take this hundred thousand off my off my balance sheet so I can move on with my life. But you can't do that. Why can't you do that? Well, because somebody paid Biden uh, years ago to push this law through that doesn't allow you to do that. So that's the first artifact. The first artifact of capitalism being injected into your politics is that your politicians are bought and paid for. People on the left, uh, like Robert Reich, I believe it was Robert Reich, who's a very smart guy. I think he's a little short guy that was the labor secretary under Clinton. He pointed that out, and I agree with him 100% on this topic. The second thing that money has done is it's created this entertainment media space where politics isn't about making people's lives better. It's not about making good decisions for the future of this country. It's not about uh, helping people uh, have you know forms of, of justice and fairness and equality and everything else. Politics for them is just entertainment. It's it's what can I what talking point can I use to piss you off that day and and get you triggered and 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 angry and and the the outcome is that you become divided. You become crazy. Like anybody remember, give me a guess if you remember during the pandemic, how people were not even hanging out with their own relatives because somebody told them that if you hang out with a person who did not get the jab, that person can make you sick. Anybody remember that? Where they literally said that if you didn't get that shot, your cousin can make you sick and you shouldn't have your cousin over for Thanksgiving dinner. Like that, That's where I drew the damn line. I got so mad. I said, how the hell are you going to tell me that I can't see my cousin who's been riding with me since the 1970s and 1980s? I can't have my cousin around because of your damn politics over a virus that, don't, that doesn't even kill 0.1% of the population. Are you serious right now? I was so angry about that because the problem is that if you get too carried away with this Internet nonsense, and these BS people that, that get their clout by be either becoming Internet influencers or political commentators, these people will ruin your life. These people will ruin your life. These people will ruin your life. And I'm here to tell you right now that everybody that you listen to, that you see your favorite commentators on online or on TV, including me, including me, if they give you any sort of advice or any sort of recommendation and it don't and it don't pass the smell test. Don't you dare let these people mess your life up. You got people on the Internet not just giving crazy extremist views on, on politics, but you that, that are ruining your relationships with other people. You got people out here giving terrible relationship advice. Well, you know, if you date a single mom, you a simp. You a simp. You a simp, man. You got this woman that loves you, down for you, has your back 100%. Because you worried about what some loser on the internet has to say. Some of these guys sitting up there cross-eyed, sitting there living in their mama's basement. All they got is their YouTube channel. And they up here giving relationship advice like they know anything about relationships. And they ain't even got a woman. Ain't even got a good woman at home. You know, dying alone with, with some chick that don't even like them because they up here giving this crappy advice. And then they're they're ruining your life. They're causing you to make bad decisions because you have to learn how to think for yourself. And if you can't think for yourself, then turn this stuff off. Don't listen. You know, the same thing is true on the other side. I'm not just talking about the, the men. I'm talking about the women, too. You know, ladies, you, 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 some of y'all throwing away good men because some lady on the Internet told you that you shouldn't tolerate that girl. You shouldn't let him do that to you, girl. Yo, I shoot. That was my man, girl. I get rid of him when well, you ain't got no man. So shut up.
You got three divorces. Shut up, lady. Seriously, it's stupid. If I want relationship advice, I talk to people that know how to have good relationships. I talk to people that have been married 20, 30 years. If I want good advice on politics, I talk to a variety of sources, a lot of different people with different perspectives so I can understand all points of view. Um, if I want good advice on finances, I, I talk to people that actually have money, that know how to make money and didn't just make their money by telling people how to make money. They actually made money by investing and, and making good choices. Right. So what I'm saying to you is that a lot of these political entertainers make their money by dividing this country. And, and let me just tell you, I am 100 percent certain that America is going to pay a hell of a price for that. I'm 100% certain when they talk about Russian bots and Russian interference and they want to call every person that talks about reparations a Russian bot, that is, they, they think that that ploy benefits them, right? They think that if they call uh, Tariq Nasheed a Russian bot or, uh, or the brother of TD Hip Hop Media a Russian bot, that it benefits them. What they don't understand is that you are also the Russian bot. You are also influenced by the Russians. You're also being influenced by the Chinese and any outside entity that is seeking to undermine and destroy America, because what they're basically doing, the people. And this is my two cents now. This is my two cents. So I hope you can allow me to share this. Um, I believe that there are people outside this country that want to see America divided. And what they do is they look for pre-existing wounds and they just pour salt on the wound. They look for pre-existing divisions and they say, how do we make that divide even worse? Right? How do we saw into the into the wound so that the people will just yell in pain? How do we piss off the black people? And then how do we piss off the white the white males who feel like they're being left behind? How do we piss off the white women and make them hate their men? How do we piss off black women and get them thinking that black men are the reason for all their problems? And they and they jump on the internet because the internet's wide open. The Chinese internet ain't wide open like that. They don't open their internet like that because they understand the things I'm talking to you guys about. America's the dummy. America is one of the dumbest countries on the planet right now, to be honest with you, in terms of where this country is going. You're on a sinking ship. I need you to I need you to understand this. Make sure you are, our, our oldest son is, is trained on Chinese. I, I said you need to learn Chinese because that's where the power is going. And so so ultimately they, they dig into these wounds to divide the country. And then so then on one side, you got Fox News pissing people off, got them storming the Capitol, acting crazy. Then you got MSNBC encouraging people to go during the pandemic and burn down buildings and do stuff that policies that make no sense, like defund the police. We want to defund. We don't want to. We don't want no funding for the police. Listen, I love you. I love you. But I'm about to call you a dumbass. I love you, you dumbass, because if you defund all the police then guess what? That means not only do you get rid of the bad police, but you get rid of the good police too. Like, seriously, I, I'm sorry. I hope I didn't offend anybody, but I probably did offend somebody. And if I offended you, I cannot apologize because, because you're being a dumbass right now. You can't defund all the police because you're killing off the good cops as well as the bad ones. The ones who used to want to help you no longer want to help you because somebody told you on TV that every single cop wants to kill black people when they wake up in the morning. I grew up around cops. I saw the bad cops. I saw the good cops. And I understand something that they that the political entertainers will never introduce you to, which is nuance. Nuance means that some of them are a problem for sure. Nuance also means that some of them are heroes. I mean, some of them are doing this unbelievably unbelievable task that I'm not going to do which is they are showing up to the houses of strangers and putting their lives on the line for people they don't even know. If that's not heroic, I don't know what is. 
you have my respect because I'm not doing that job. So, so this idea, so, so, so let me tell you what defund the police has gotten black America. Has anybody, give me a yes or no, give me a yes or no if you live in any of the cities where crime has just gotten unbelievably ridiculous. How many of y'all live in any of the cities like, say, Chicago, where major corporations like Walmart and Target have left because they said the smash and grabs are so bad that we're losing billions of dollars. We're getting the hell up out of here. And then we like, oh, that's racist. Y'all leaving, that's racist. No, I'm sorry. If I got a business in a, in a city and people are walking in the store and just grabbing stuff and walking out and there's nothing we can do. Oh, I'm not doing business in that city. You don't do business so you can lose money. You just don't. Or how many of y'all live in cities like Seattle, where I did, I went to Seattle last week. I did a four hour training on my book, The Ten Commandments of Black Economic Power. Feel free to go grab a copy of it. I think you're going to like it. And when I was there, every black person I talked to was telling me that Seattle has been taken over by homeless people, fentanyl addicts who are zombies. A man told me a story about a pregnant woman who was just at a stoplight with her husband getting shot in the car by a guy who just walked up and decided he wanted to shoot somebody that day. Like, out of control. Or you could go to cities like, I don't know, San Francisco. How are things in San Francisco, y'all? Anybody live in the Bay Area? Has Have things gotten different in the Bay Area since the pandemic? I'm not, I'm not, you know, yeah, I'm, I'm not, I'm not making fun of anybody. I'm not trying to be a jerk here. But what do you think? Anybody seen those videos of all the people just, just going around running roughshod, breaking into people's cars, stealing stuff? Because they know that in certain cities, though they that they won't eat, that the police won't even come unless the crime is above like a thousand dollars. Somebody can literally come up, knock your wife, knock your knock your mama on the head with a brick and take her stuff, and the police won't even show up. They won't even lock the person up no more. Yo, so so I'm just telling you, yo, these extremist policies got you looking kind of stupid and crazy. And and you can't tell me that a society that buys into the nonsense is going to be a thriving society. Whether you're talking about people on the right storming the Capitol who, who believe the election was stolen no matter what, no matter what evidence there is, right? I think that's extreme. So there's a point where for the sake of preserving your democracy, you have to go ahead and call it one and concede the election and say, you know what, we're going to get you next time. We're going to campaign and win the next election, right? The Republicans, they have since they were doing that. But you've got those people who will swear to the grave that the election was stolen and will not let that go. And I understand. I understand the frustration, but I'm sorry. You have to understand the privilege that you have by having a stable democracy where your elections are not being decided by bloodshed. There are countries around this planet where they can't have an election without somebody getting killed. They can't have an election with a bomb without a bomb going off. In Kenya, people were running down the street, chopping people's heads off with machetes over the election. Do you want to live in a country like that? Is that what you really want? Because that's what you're going to get if you continue to let these political entertainers manipulate you for money. They're manipulating you for money, you know, and they're going to get paid off of that. But eventually the chickens come home to roost and there's going to be a huge price that all of us will pay for this. 
So anyway, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, thumbs up, share, subscribe. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. You're watching drboystv.com, the home for intelligent black people. And I want to give a shout out to Aisha Verzi. Aisha Verzi is a friend to the Black Business School and a financial planner. And uh, she also can help you protect your assets and your legacy. She has a one-stop shop brokerage uh, where she can give you personal consultation on things like insurance services, index universal life policies, term with living benefits, whole life policies, and consultations on debt management, and final expense, funeral planning concierge. So if you'd like to uh, talk to Aisha, you can actually contact her at Aisha, uh, Aisha at Verzi, V-I-R-Z-I.com, or you can call her at 626-340-5746. The number's on the screen is 626-340-5746. Tell her that Dr. Boy sent you and, uh, and give her my love and respect. And also this podcast is on Spotify. So if you go to Spotify and you look up my name, you'll find it there. Uh, and in addition to that, um, if you'd like to uh, get a shout out on the platform, just go to drboysfinance.com and Micah will take good care of you. Uh, and uh, tell her I, I sent you to because Micah will be extra nice to you. All right. So uh, anyway, um, uh, do me a favor. Hit the thumbs up button. Thumbs up, thumbs up, share, subscribe if you haven't done it yet. Uh, and uh, also, uh, I want to I want to be open to a critique. Uh, Change to come says, boys, you're just as bad. You don't research either by your definition of defund the police. Um, I've, I've researched it a little bit, but you might be right. Let's let's look up a definition. Let's see. Defund the police. What does that mean? Let's let's see. Let's just see what what comes up in Google. And I'm gonna tell you what I what my interpretation of defund the police is, and why I still think that it did more harm than good to repeat that slogan. Um, look, I know what defund the police likely means for intelligent people. Defund the police likely, in my view, means not supporting the fact that the police have become basically kind of a military state, that, that we militarized the cops, particularly during the crack era when they were dealing with dope dealers and they started giving police uh, weapons that have um, that were, would be used on a military battlefield and also pouring more and more money into arresting people as opposed to getting them the services they need, like uh, mental health services and things like that. Uh, I get that. I get that 100%. And I think that that's what people with common sense and those who understand nuance really mean. But what I was also hearing was I was hearing from people that were going to the extreme in terms of uh, like traumatizing children and having children, uh, you know, walking around saying, I, I'm scared of cops because cops are all racist. And I just thought that was too much because now that little boy from the hood who could have been a great cop in his community doesn't want to be a cop because all his friends are saying, if you're a cop, you're a sellout. Do y'all understand that? Did y'all see that kind of happening? And let me tell you why this was personal to me. I know I know I know police work pretty well because my father was a cop for a long time. And so I knew good cops and bad cops. I know black cops that in high positions. And one of the police majors I spoke to in Louisville, Kentucky, where Breonna Taylor got killed, is he said that I've been trying my butt off to get black officers on the force. He said black people don't want to be cops anymore. He said they used to be seen as a respectable job. They used to be seen as something people wanted to do because we we pay the best that we can. We do everything we can to offer benefits. Now nobody wants that job anymore. And my black officers are quitting. My qualified officers are quitting. The good people are quitting. So when the good people quit, guess who they're getting replaced by? They're getting replaced by the, the, the skinheads, the, the, the quiet Klansmen. The one who's the ones who don't give a damn about your child, the ones who will shoot your son and not not lose a, a, an ounce of sleep over it. So ultimately, either, so it's either those extreme people who don't care or it's the wimps who don't who just say, you know, I'm just going to collect my check. I'm not going if they call, if they tell me to come to the crime scene, I'm not coming. If I'm not going to be appreciated for showing up to protect you, then I'm not going to do it. I'm going to drag my feet. 
And that that's you know what it reminds me of is it reminds me actually of when the how the black fathers you know a lot of black fathers have left their left the home. Um, you know, it's of course it's a complex topic, but really. If you make a man, ladies, this is a secret. This is just Uncle Boyce uh, perspective. I hope that you can receive it. If you make a man feel like he's not important and you don't make a man feel appreciated for his sacrifices for the family, that man's going to say, oh, well, why should I be here? I don't need to be here. I'm, why, why am I going to go here and sacrifice everything to do all this work and get no appreciation for it? Because all I'm getting is grief. All I'm getting is complaints. All I'm getting is people who don't appreciate what I do. All I get is somebody who's telling me constantly that they don't need me anyway. Well, since you don't need me, then I'm going to be on. I'm, I'm out of here. So the same way we, de we we talk about defunding the police. I think that in our households, we defunded the dad. You know, we, we've defunded fatherhood. Right. And that's why you ain't got no daddies. And that's why your little girls and your little boys are getting molested by their mama's boyfriends. It's happening all over the country. Nobody talks about it, but it's happening quite often. Uh, that's why you got little boys out here thugging in the street because they become these um, these uh, these child husbands, these little boy husbands like that lady in Chicago who's getting beat up by that crazy man who's punching her in the face. And her son had to go to the car and get a gun and kill a man to protect his mama when really that should have been his daddy's job or police officer's job. But you defunded the police, you defunded the daddy. So now your 14 year old son has to become the man of the house. That's not healthy. It does not work. Or you got the little girl out in the street who's like thotting it up because she ain't never received no validation from her father. So she's looking for it from all these these, uh, you know, penis slinging dope dealers, you know, these these thuggish dudes who are happy to get your daughter pregnant, abandon the baby and throw a couple of dollars her way just to get access to her vagina. This is happening. This is really happening. And I don't know why people are talking about it. I don't know why um, people spend so much time being offended by me bringing it up that they don't actually think about what I'm bringing up. They're not actually looking up throughout the community and look around you. You don't believe me? Look around you. I mean, am I am I am I the only one seeing this? Am I the only one seeing the fact that most black children can't even read when they graduate from high school? Am I the only one seeing this? Am I the only one that's concerned? Because when you get distracted by the political entertainers on TV, the whole world is crumbling all around you and you don't even see it because you all worried about something that Donald Trump said in, in the 1990s about black people. Are you worried about something that the Democrats are doing or Joe Biden's running around telling you that if you don't vote for him, then you ain't black. And you caught up so caught up in that stuff. You're not even seeing the absolute devastation happening like in your communities. Again, go go to these cities, go go to the Seattle's and the San Francisco's and the Chicago's. Those cities are not better than they were before. In Chicago, they're putting more money in the pocket of people that just got here. They're trying to make illegal immigrants into police officers. Literally, they're literally saying that you don't even have to be a documented citizen to be a cop. What country allows people who are not documented to be police officers? Tell me, I'll wait. Show me any country on this planet. I don't know. I can't think of a single country anywhere that says, oh, you can, can let me ask you this. Can, can I go to China as an undocumented citizen and become a police officer? Will they be like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah, you can be a cop. They won't even let me in the country. I went to China to teach a class. They tracked me the entire time I was there. They were like, okay, you've been here 10 days. Take your ass back home now. Seriously. The, the, this, this idea, I mean, some of these ideas that they are pushing on you make no sense. They're not logical. 
if you take them all the way to the end, it's not going to work. And, and I think that what probably happens is that because we all think differently, um, I think a lot. I do. And also, I'm a, you know, they say that, that men have more gray matter in their brain. So we tend to lean more on logic than emotion. And also, I'm a mathematician, which is which makes me heavily logical. So that means that a person like me who's heavily logical will piss off people who are overly emotional. So uh, so I end up hurting people's feelings when I say certain things that I say. And, uh, and you know, and I don't know how to fix that. I, I don't know how to uh, I can say I can learn from emotional people. And I just hope that emotional people can also learn from logical people. A lot of the policies that are being pursued in this country are not beneficial to the country and they're not beneficial to black people. So so let me let me let me finish up this point about Joanne Reed and and her issues with Cornell West. Now, one of the things about Reed with West that I thought was really fascinating was how uh, when when Joanne found out, Joanne found out that Cornell was running for uh, president. You know, she immediately started in with uh, sort of the predictable attack mode statements that people tend to make when a black person gets out of line. Now, mind you, Joanne Reed was a big fan of Cornell West when he was supportive of Barack Obama. But when Cornell started to question Barack and started to ask Barack to deliver for black people, she only saw him as an enemy. And I think that you have to be really cautious about this, because you know, why is it that supporting black people in a meaningful way in, in solving problems that have never been solved by the Democrats or the Republicans? Why does that make people turn you into an enemy? Uh, and one of the standard tactics that is used by a lot of people who are in this whole, if you don't vote for Biden and you ain't black sort of crowd or vote blue, no matter who is they, they make this illogical statement to say that you, uh, that if you're not a Democrat, then you must be a Republican. That if you're not uh, one of us, then you're definitely one of them. And I remember, anybody remember when they did this to Ice Cube? Anybody remember this? When SNL, when they put Ice Cube on SNL and he was played by that big fat comedian who can't get a better job. You know what I'm talking about? He's been on there like 28 years or something or 22 years or something. And he, cause he can't, most, a lot of, I mean, just, just keep it real. You know, most of the good black comedians on SNL eventually go on and do great things. You know, the Chris Rocks and the, the Eddie Murphy's and all that. He's not in that category. This brother has had a steady job with SNL for 20 something years. And, uh, and so they had him play ice cube. And you notice in that skit, they had ice cube wearing the MAGA hat. Right. And this is a symbol and a sign of the dirty politics they use where uh, they might accuse people who speak against them of being Russian bots or spreading false falsehoods or spreading propaganda or spreading lies. But y'all tell me, give me a yes or no. Is Ice Cube in a MAGA hat? Is that spreading a lie? Is that a falsehood? Give me a yes or no. Is that false or did have you ever has Ice Cube ever won a MAGA hat? Uh, and, I, and, and I'm going to go ahead and tell you he hasn't. He doesn't do that. Uh, and and I, I've talked to him. He doesn't he does not do that kind of thing. But there were there were things that they were pushing online to basically manipulate and control the black community. You know, again, like pictures like this. Right. And then what also happens is and this this happened in the last election It's going to happen in this one, too. Uh, there is this effort to consistently 
stigmatize and almost try to mute the voices of black men that many black women, unfortunately, have become co-conspirators in. They become co-conspirators with their white counterparts, their white zaddies, the Joe Bidens of the world. They're, they are co-conspirators to say, let's shut these black men up. Let's not let these black men have a voice because mama's running the house. And, and I really believe, honestly, that because they spent so much time destroying your men and destroying your community, that this is that this political maneuver that's happening is reflective of what's also happened in a lot of households. You have a lot of households out here where the women have been running the show for so long that when a strong black man shows up and says, I have a voice, I'm a relevant uh, person who has equity in this household. Uh, I'm here to, uh, to help lead and to be a strong figure in this space. There are women who can't handle that. You know, I'm serious. I hate saying this to, to some of the, the women. I And I, I hope I don't strike a chord and hurt anybody's feelings. But uh, because America has forced the black woman to be so strong. Right. It's not your fault. It's oppression. It's it's systematic racism. They killed off your men. Uh, sometimes when you run into a real man that's really going to show up with some masculine energy and some decision making ability and ain't going to back down from your shit. You go berserk. It freaks you out. It's like, wait a minute, I'm used to driving the car. Who does this Negro think he is driving the car? And then the family falls apart because you end up bumping heads so much that eventually he walks away. He goes in his direction. You go off and you get to be the strong black woman who don't need no man. And you raise your kids by yourself. And he's off getting girls pregnant or living his best life. And that's what it is. That's how it is. The end. That's the that's the black love story in America, unfortunately. So effectively, politically speaking, what you're really observing is you're observing the reemergence of the black man from the dead. The black man was killed off, in my view, from in the 80s, really 70s, 80s, and 90s, uh, when a lot of the deindustrialization happened in cities like Gary, Indiana, and Milwaukee. Uh, black men you know, lost a lot of good jobs working in steel mills and things like that. That's when you had the emergence of things like the wino and the men who didn't have any purpose anymore, so they sit around just drinking all day. And then you had drugs that came into play. Drugs were the worst thing to ever happen to the black community. I think that we should have a zero tolerance policy on drugs, to be honest with you. I think that uh, any black person who has any tolerance for for drugs, even even uh, and I, I hate even saying I know I know about the healing properties of cannabis. I use CBD oil on my legs all the time because my knees hurt when I run. But getting high on a regular basis has never really served to benefit almost anybody I know when it comes to productivity. I'm not saying that there couldn't be exceptions. I'm just saying that, in fact, if you research it, there are studies right now showing that a lot of this synthetic weed and the fact that they've convinced young people they could sit around and smoke all day, that that's having huge effects, not just on their health, but on their productivity. Uh, I've talked to a young person I was mentoring and she said, I can't even think straight. I can't stick to my goals. I don't know what's going on in my mind. And I said, how often do you smoke? She said, you know, that might be it because I smoke five times a day. Right. So my point is not to judge or tell anybody what to do. My point is to point things out to you so you can tell yourself what to do. My point is to say that they've been running game on you since the beginning of time and they still running game on you right now. And so so effectively, 
uh, the you know the, the breakdown of the black man has been a prolonged process. It's still in existence. Uh, I can throw in things like hip hop music that's that's taught black men uh, collectively a lot of really bad habits when it comes to their views on women, when it comes to their views on choices and money and and liquor and drugs and everything else. And so so you you've dealt with a lot. You've dealt with your men literally being chopped up in front of you. So the women stand up and and have become these strong characters as a result of that. But the problem is that you have some black men who are waking up from the dead. You have a lot of black men who either are waking up from the dead or their family never died. Their their father and grandfather were strong enough to resist all the nonsense. And these men are, are walking around, they're living, breathing, they, they know how to think, they're intelligent, they're strategic, they make plans, they don't taking care of their damn kids. And they're, and they're showing up expecting to be heard. They're showing up expecting to be respected. They're showing up expecting that, look, I'm gonna have a stake up in this too. I'm gonna respect you, I'm gonna love you, I'm gonna let you have all the power that you want. I'm gonna celebrate you, but God damn it, you, you're gonna celebrate me too. We we go we I'm going to be uh irrelevant in this conversation too. So when you when I when I see the politics of it all, when I see the Joy Ann Reeds, or when I see um that one lady, um uh Simone Sanders, the one that was built like the linebacker because she was tackling that guy to protect Joe Biden. I see these women that unfortunately have become uh so overbearing that they're really competing with the men. They're competing with the men in a way that is not beneficial to the community long term. So when the men step up and the men say, eh, we're, we're kind of tired of the same nonsense, we're not doing the same stuff that, you know, that, um, you know, that, that was being done before we got here. No, no, we're in the household now. This house ain't going to run the same way it was running before I got here. Your son's going to get up at seven. Uh, your daughter's not going to be out in these streets. Uh, we're going to sit down together as a family for dinner, like all that stuff that ends up being a, a problem because you've been trained to believe that all of these ideas are just so reflective of an opp oppressive patriarchy that you fight and resist every single day. And as a result, you end up sleeping with the enemy. You end up in a constant battle. So you can't have love where there's hate. You can't have love where there's competition. You can't have masculinity when, with more masculinity. That becomes a repelling kind of force. It does not bring people together. It pushes them apart. So effectively, when you show up competing with the man, the man is going to compete with you. And I can tell you, as a man, we're pretty good at competition. As a man, I grew up playing football, basketball, running track, playing all, every sport I could think of. I can compete with you all day. And, and so you show up competing with me. I'm not going to love you. I'm going to fight you. Right. So effectively, I think that the same thing is happening politically. I think politically speaking, you're seeing uh, men standing up and saying, I'm tired of being bent over by white supremacy. That ain't going to happen. I'm competing with that white man across the street. Uh, I want to be as educated as him. I want to be as wealthy as him. I want to be as strong as him. I am as capable as him. And he doesn't want to hear me. He doesn't want to hear what I have to say. When Joe Biden wants to come to the black community, they always come to the women. They always come to the women. They always come to the women for the same reason that a man that is trying to get over and come into your house and get money or get your daughter or get some property that you have. He's going to talk to your wife first and he hopes the husband doesn't come home. Tell me if you don't understand what I'm saying. Can, can anybody get what I'm saying? I hope I don't sound too old fashioned when I'm saying this, but I hope somebody say they, if a man is coming in my house and he's trying to manipulate and trying to get over, he's going to want to talk to the mother. He's not really going to want to talk to me. Uh, if, if R. Kelly 
is interested in your daughter. Do you think R. Kelly wanted to go into houses where, where the daughter had a strong father who was watching his every move? Do you think that R. Kelly, you think, you think he could, you think he could sweet talk the daddy the same way he sweet talks the mama? Cause he comes in there, he's tall, he's handsome. He says the right things. He brings some flowers. Next thing you know, she trusts him, invites him over for dinner, says, oh, he's such a nice young man. Right. But the father sees through all of that. They see through all that. So, so men and women, I believe have different vision. And I think that uh, men and women have a different ability. Uh, like I, I, at least I, I will say as a man, I feel like I have an innate ability played. And I'm not saying women can't see that too, but uh, one of the things that is happening in politics is that the Democratic Party loves to sweet talk the black community. The Democratic Party loves to give black people a lot of symbolism as opposed to substance. The, the Democratic Party loves to throw out these feel good gestures like, you know, I don't know, Juneteenth concerts or telling you that black lives matter and and all or, or thank you, black women, for helping us win this election. Right. They, they, they say all these things. Right. They, they say all these things because they, it sounds good and feels good. And I think that there's some people who are more susceptible to the sweet talk than others. There are some people like me. I'm like, I don't care what you said. I need to, to know the substance behind what you do. I'm not for flash. I'm not looking for symbolism. I'm looking for substance. And, and as I go through, I'm like, there ain't no substance here. You're just saying a bunch of stuff to make us feel good. That's not going to help us solve a problem. So so in, and this actually goes back to relationships. I don't know if any of y'all know this, but they but has anybody ever heard this? Tell me if you've ever heard this. They they say that this is something that took me the longest time to understand this because I don't think this way. They they this is a little tip for anybody. I, somebody told me this a long time ago, and I read it in a book, and it's scientifically true. They said if a woman comes and tells you about something that's upsetting to her, like if your wife or girlfriend comes to you and she's very upset about what happened that day or she's emotionally distressed, and, and you, the first thing you're going to want to do as a man is you're going to want to solve the problem. Am I right or am I right? And the first thing you want to do as a man and you're like, is you're like, OK, well, if you're having this problem with your coworker, why don't you just quit the job and then go work somewhere else and or tell the HR people, right? You have a solution. You're thinking solution. But one thing I learned, and this didn't make any sense to me, is that you're not supposed to solve the problem right away anyway. You're not supposed to do it. You know what you're supposed to do? You're supposed to sit there and just listen. That's what they tell you to do. I kid you not. This is what therapists do. Just listen. Just you, you want to listen, you validate, you connect, you confirm, you engage in active. Wow, no, are you serious? Did he really do that? Oh, that's terrible. Can, oh, wow, really? How did that feel? Like, you got to say something. That was so weird to me. I When I heard that, I was like, but nobody, but if, if it's an easily solvable problem, why are we sitting here bitching together over a problem that can be easily solved? I don't understand that. But maybe it's not my job to understand that. I'm a mathematician, though. In mathematics, you're supposed to solve the problem. You're not supposed to just sit and bitch about it for eight hours. Like I, I never, I just don't get that, right? So, so it doesn't mean that women are stupid or 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 ridiculous or wrong. It just means that we're different. That's my point. It means that we're different, and we're bring and we bring different energy to a conversation. So, so as I can say, as a black man, when I see Joanne Reed or any of the black women that are promoted to high, powerful places in society, specifically so they can engage in the joint act of oppressing the black man, I personally become resentful. And, you know, in the sense that um, I understand the game and I'm hoping others understand the game. 
Uh, I married a black woman who understands the game. My my wife understands the game and knows that she benefits from the game. My wife understands very clearly that the university that hired her light skin, high yellow ass is not the university that would hire my loud mouth, dark skin ass. Like they, they, they don't hire African-American males at her institution. There are none on the faculty anywhere in any department, not one single African-American male. And, and the reason that I love my wife and respect her and appreciate her voice is because she understands, she gets it. She knows that my path to power and success can't be the same as her power to path to power and success. Just like um, on The Godfather of Harlem, uh, Bumpy Johnson's path to power, it couldn't be the same as Mamie's path to power. Mamie, Bumpy Johnson, Bumpy Johnson was a notorious gangster in Harlem back in the, the 40s, 50s, and 60s. And, and, and Bumpy Johnson got power by going outside of the white man's channel. <laughs> Whereas Mamie was, you know, she was doing the little clubs and the civil rights groups and everything else. And, and so effectively... Um, in a way, I'm I'm kind of like Bumpy Johnson. I'm the guy that isn't uh, gonna necessarily fit into the same spaces as my wife, and I'm not asking my wife to go into those spaces with me. I just ask her to respect my contribution and to acknowledge that it's a little bit different from me than it is for her. That there are places that she can go and be accepted that I can't go and be accepted. They 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 might love her and embrace her but they're going to fear me. And in fact, the, the, the reason I also admire her is because she accepts the idea that they're going to embrace her less when they learn that she is conspiring with me, that she's working with me. If she was married to a, an Italian guy, they would probably view her differently than when they Google her husband and say, ooh, you're married to this guy? Or, or when that happened, believe me, let me just tell you that when that happened, they started looking at her different Like. Oh, you must not be the safe Negro that we thought you were. We thought that you were safe because you're light skinned. Right. And this is the reality of life that I observe. Look, I'm not sitting here pretending to be an expert. I'm just telling you all what I see. And this is the world according to Boyce. Right. So this is not me giving you what I think is any kind of definitive truth about blackness. It's really just me saying these are some of the dynamics that we're dealing with. And these play out in American politics. And they also played out on the plantation. You have the house Negroes and the field Negroes to this day. You still got the house Negroes and the field Negroes. You got the black folks that are sitting right next to Joe Biden in his, you know, Joe's in their ear, sending them marching orders. These Negro managers are going out with these marching orders and controlling and seeking to control the thinking of black people. And their job, what they're compensated for on a personal basis is to make sure that as many black people as possible show up and vote blue no matter who and go do whatever uh, whatever they're, they're they're told to do, and 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 that's how that's how they get their money. That's how they get paid. And uh, and then you've got um you've got people that are the so called field Negroes, like me, uh, who don't get it, you know, who aren't who aren't part of mainstream society, who aren't going to end up you know being on TV like a Joy Reid or whatever. Uh, and and we have a voice too, and our voice is very important. And here's what I think you can do, actually, is I think you can listen to all those voices. I really do. I think that you can you can you can accept everybody's contribution, but just understand what their individual bias is, right? Like, so maybe if you're listening to a um, a Joy Reid, which I don't fault you for doing that, maybe you just say, okay, I I hear what she's saying, but some of what she's saying 
is driven by the fact that she has to have loyalty to her boss, right? It's like, if you work at McDonald's and I come see you and you're my cousin, then part of you is going to greet me in a certain way because you're my cousin and we go way back like that. But then there's a part of you that's going to, where your behavior is going to be shaped by the fact that you're also at work at that time. You were in a McDonald's uniform. Now that does not mean that you love McDonald's more than you love me, but it does mean that uh, the family's agenda is not your primary agenda. The, what the family wants is not primarily what you want, at least not at that moment. That that what that what the family says isn't necessarily the top priority for you in that moment because you work at McDonald's. The top priority for you is to go in the back and flip them burgers and serve your customers. And that ends up taking precedence over your ability to serve your family. So this is where wealth comes into the conversation. The reason that black wealth is so important is that the more wealthy black people you have, the more economically strong black people you have, the more people you will have that don't have to put on a McDonald's uniform in order to survive. What does that mean? Well, that means that if you have a Joy Reid who says, you know what, I really want to do these good things for the black community, but I can't. I have to sell my soul to a point because Joe Biden is paying my bills. Well, what if Joy Reid or whoever is, is a black person that is independently capable of paying their bills without selling their their time to their employer, aka putting on the McDonald's uniform, right? If, if my cousin has enough wealth where he doesn't have to put on the McDonald's uniform in order to survive, give me a yes if you follow. Please give me a yes if you follow. I know I say a lot and I, I'm hoping that I'm not talking. I don't want to talk over nobody's heads, right? And I know I talk a lot, but I have to get this point out because I, I think that it's something that, that we can benefit from. If my cousin has enough independent wealth that he doesn't have to put on that McDonald's uniform, then that means that all the time he spent serving his master can be spent serving the family. Do you understand what I'm saying? If you are independent and free financially, then you can do what you want to do. You don't have to do what your bosses tell you to do. You don't have to do what Biden is telling you to do. You don't have to do what UPS is telling you to do. You don't have to spend time serving other people. You can spend time. You, you don't have to spend time serving people you hate. You can spend time serving people you love. So the number one problem black people have in this country is not political, it's economic. But the, the economics drives the politics. Remember, America is a capitalist society. Capitalism is the big brother and politics is the little brother. The big brother tells the little brother what to do. The big brother runs the show. The big brother is controlling the whole narrative. The, the capitalism, the money is driving everything. Raphael Warnock could not have gotten elected down in Georgia if somebody had not put a quarter of a billion dollars into his campaign or whatever the number was. It was insane. Black people didn't write them damn checks. In case you missed the memo on how politics works in America, here is a Dr. Boyce quickie summary on how your politics works in America and the role that you play when they tell you to vote blue no matter who. The people that have the money, a.k.a. corporations, billionaires, capitalists, just rich people, write big checks. And they write these checks to make a purchase on behalf of the candidate. They make a deal with the candidate. They say, we're going to buy you voters. And in exchange for us buying voters for you, you're going to implement policies that we want. You're not working for them. You're working for us. And when, and when they say we're going to buy voters for you, what does that mean? That means we're going to give you so much money that you can market the shit out of your little stupid campaign and convince simple-minded people that you're their friend so they all show up and vote for you. 
and 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 because these people don't expect anything in return for their vote, that's cool. You give the benefits to us. After all, we wrote the check. So what you are is you are part of the transaction. You are a commodity. You know, in this process, you're like um if if I am a if I run a farm and I tell KFC I'm gonna sell you ten thousand chickens, the chickens don't get ain't got no say in the process. The chickens are not the beneficiaries of any of this. There is no part of this process where the farmer selling KFC chickens is thinking like, well, what what can we do for the well being of the chickens? Let's how do we make sure the chickens have better lives? The chickens' lives matter. That's the slogan we'll use. No, they buy you. They write the check. Without those checks, they can't get elected. Because all they do is they'll take the money, run bigger and bigger marketing campaigns, and you'll eventually vote for them because they're being marketed to you like crazy. And they and they and because the human brain can be hacked, because they know exactly what you think, they know exactly how to speak like you speak. You know, hey, y'all, we all got to make sure we go to the polls out after church on Sunday, y'all, because Joe Biden is running for office. And if those Republicans get in office, they going to kill every black person and make us all into slaves again, girl. Like, seriously, they do all this because they study you. They're like, oh, OK, black people listen to celebrities. Let's go pay off a couple of rappers to go and, uh, and do a concert. And then they're all going to vote for us because they want a concert because they're, they're, they're not going to be thinking about the process that much. They buy the voters. You get bought and sold by these wealthy people. So <clears throat> effectively, if you look at this process and you say, okay, who are the beneficiaries of this? It's the people who write the checks. It's not the people who deliver the votes. The vote is simply something that they purchase in order to uh, fulfill their agenda. They're like, okay, we got to pretend like we're a democracy. Well, really, we're like some sort of capitalist oligarchy or something, but we have to pretend like we're a democracy. So how do we do that? Oh, I know we flood the campaign system with cash and, and then force people to vote. And then if they don't vote, we make them feel like crap. Or if they vote for someone other than the candidate, we tell them to one of the two options we give them, then we're going to uh, get other people that we pay, like the Joy Ann Reeds, to go and harass those people into the ground until they finally submit to doing what we tell them to do. So that means we're going to ostracize them from their friends and family. We're going to make fun of these people. We're going to call them Russian bots. We're going to do all kinds of stuff to make those people feel like they have to go along with the crowd. And they're going to do it. You know why they're going to do it? Well, because studies show that 70% of all people will go along with the crowd, even if the crowd is wrong. And that's why I tell you definitively and unapologetically that I am not looking to talk to those 70%. I want to talk to the 30% who, who have the, the courage to do what the hell you want to do. I am not here to tell you to do what I tell you to do. I'm not here to tell you to be like Boyce Watkins. I'm not here to tell you to, to go and support whatever candidate I want to support. I'm not doing that. I'm telling you to support yourself. How in the hell are you going to have people that get mad at someone like me because I simply say do what's best for yourself? Is your self-esteem that shot and dead? Is your commitment to white supremacy that great that you're like, how dare you tell me to take care of me and my own family? How dare you tell me to put myself first? And you told me to put black people first. What's wrong with you? Nigga, you out your mind. Nigga, you, nigga. The Negro naysayers are everywhere. It's crazy. It's so crazy. I, you'd be amazed how many people accuse me of being a Republican because I simply tell black people, just do what, do what you want to do. I don't care who you vote for. 
Just meet me at the convention. Let's kick it. Let's talk about black people and black wealth and educating our kids and, and all that. Let's talk about solving problems. I don't, I'm not even going to ask you if you're a Democrat or Republican. Do you know how many friends I have where I have no idea who they voted for? I have so many people that I work with and I admire and I love. And some of them voted for Biden. Some of them voted for Trump. Some of them voted for nobody. Some of them voted third party. I don't give a shit. The reason I don't care is because my brain is wired to look at results. My brain is wired to say two plus two is four and two plus zero is still two and two minus a hundred is negative 98. So black people are just doing really bad math right now because we're going backward. So instead of going to net and adding negative 100 to our little two, how about we add two? Or zero, at least they break even. How about, or maybe we can add positive 98 and then we'll have a positive 100. But y'all add negative 98. Y'all literally, they got people out there telling you that two plus negative 100 is positive 3,000. That's what they, that's literally the stupid math <clears throat> that they have y'all doing. They literally got you thinking, well, if two, two plus negative 100, that's going to be 4,595. I can't tell you that that is correct. I just know too much. Look around you. You don't believe me? Look around you. Am I the, I mean, why is it that I end up having to feel so alone when I simply say something like, it's a fucked up situation that 90 something percent of our kids are graduating from these schools run by white people and they can't even halfway read or write or do math. Their work ethic is shot to shit. Seriously, do y'all know how many, has anybody else noticed this? Like, since I, I know somebody who said, I, I hired a black person and, a, and a, a, a Latino person to do the same job, and I was rooting for the black person, and I couldn't hire the black person because she couldn't count and she wouldn't show up for work. I'm not saying this is everybody. I'm not saying that at all. This is certainly not intelligent black people, but y'all can't tell me you don't know what I'm talking about. You can't tell me you're not seeing what I'm seeing. Some of these young people are coming out of these damn schools. They're not prepared to do nothing. They're not prepared to succeed at all. And, and it's it, and I'm not making fun of it. You know, I, I have to keep saying that because sometimes, again, because I'm so logical and direct, I hurt people's feelings. But. I don't know. Are you really ready to fight this white supremacy thing? Uh, maybe, maybe that's the solution. Maybe maybe for some people, the solution is just just submit, just submit. Just go let Joe Biden be your baby daddy. And uh, and hope that the system doesn't beat you too bad. Uh, maybe that's the solution for some people maybe to take on that battle. I don't know. But but I do know it's a damn shame. It is a crime. It is horrible. And you're spending billions of dollars doing this, but yet you won't give a penny to Freedom Home Academy or Nation of Islam or King Randall School down in Georgia that's actually able to teach black children at a level that's going to maximize their success. Oh, but, but it all starts to make sense when I realize that you don't give a damn about us. It's only confusing if I think that you actually care. But since when in this country has anybody really cared that much about the fate of black people? I ask you this. And who led you to believe falsely that suddenly 
everything changed. That suddenly these people who never cared about you are suddenly seeking to uh, do things that are in your best interest. That's not logical. That's not the situation that you're in. So anyway, do me a favor. Please hit the thumbs up button, uh, thumbs up, share, subscribe. You're watching DrBoysTV.com, the home for intelligent black people. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. My Instagram, my new Instagram is the Black Financial Channel. So if you want to follow me on the gram, feel free to do that here. And also I want to remind everybody that if you are solution oriented, the all black national convention is happening October 20th. It's going to be in Atlanta and we've gathered over 40 experts from the black community that can solve problems in a lot of different areas from politics to relationships, to, uh, to business, to crypto, to investing, to family, everything. Right. So, and what we've done is we look for people that are proven to be successful in those areas. For example, one person, one family we're inviting is Dr. Mary Stoddard and her husband, Marcus. Marcus Stoddard is one of the leading cardiologists on the planet. And uh, Mary grew up as a sharecropper with 17 brothers and sisters in Louisiana. And every single one of her brothers and sisters all graduated from college. Literally, you know, you talk, I, I like talking to those black people that remind me of the possibilities that occur when you're willing to work hard. I love hearing from those black people that are, aren't going to sit around and tell me how oppressed we are. I want to hear about all the black people to tell me how blessed we are. And so Mary Stoddard came from a family where there were 17 brothers and sisters and all of them were sharecroppers in Louisiana. You, you don't get much poorer than that. And literally every single one of them finished college. And on top of that, Mary has a law degree and a PhD and her Five children are all medical doctors or PhDs. When I see a blueprint like that, oh, I want to multiply that. You know, it's it's like manufacturing a, a new Tesla. Like that's how you manufacture a great product. You know, if you want to mass produce ordinary black people, here's what you do on a very simple basis. You, you take advantage of various forms of industrialization. What we got to do is instead of looking to these people that don't love us to give to tell us what it means to be successful, we got to find those people in the community that have figured it out, people in the community that have solved the problem, you know, and, and say, how did you do it? What did you do? You know, motherhood needs to be a science. Fatherhood needs to be a science. We need to study that. Like, how can I be the kind of father that's going to produce children that are going to be enormously successful? How do I be the kind of mother that can raise a baby from the womb to the point where that child is wealthy and happy and successful and a positive contributor to the community? See, we've got to take over this process. We need to be the center of education for our children. We need to be the center of motivation for those kids. We need to be the spiritual and psychological center for those children. We need to be the ones who are the guiding force in terms of shaping the kinds of adults that they become. Give me a yes to yes, understand what I'm saying. So, so I personally think that, uh, that sitting around and do, doing the same thing we've been doing for the last 60 years, we know that's not going to work. We've tried it 60 years. It has not worked. Um, I think that sitting around being mad at white people all day, that ain't going to work. Uh, you know, don't get me wrong. I, I don't I know we ain't got no friends over there, but I'm not sitting around. I'll go sit and talk all day about what the white man's doing. I only way I'll talk about it is so that we can form a solution. Uh, also, I don't want to sit around and talk about how we don't have nothing because we black. I don't like living in the deficit model. You, you don't understand what that does to your psychology. If you are constantly thinking like that, you're barely surviving and that you're barely making it and that you just praying to Jesus that you're going to be all right. And you, it's hard to you, you can't make it. But, you know, as, as a black person. Person, then what, what kind of success level do you think you're ever going to have? You will never have success if you are so busy occupying your brain space with all of your doubt, all of your fear, all of your weakness, all of your insecurity, that you don't have one 
inch of space in that brain of yours to sit and process all the possibility that God gave you. You can't even process the fact that we've got 1.6 trillion in economics flowing through our community that can elevate us to whatever level we want. Instead, we spend so much time being depressed and sad about how hard it is to be black. Well, th- this makes sense because, well, this is what the pimps did to you. This is what the pimps are doing. The pimps are, are you know, they, we're, we're their little hoes, basically, and they're teaching us, you ain't nothing, you black. Oh my God, look at this. Let me show you this video of a black person being beaten up. Uh, let me show you something that's, let me show you some more trauma porn of, of a black person being shot by the cops so you can sit around and be scared all day. And then when you're scared, because here's the thing you got, you got to understand, people who are afraid are heavily implicit. People who are scared will do what you tell them to do without questioning anything about what you say. Do y'all know that? How many of y'all know that? How many of you know that one great tactic to get people to obey is to make them scared? Did y'all know that? That's psychology. And who gets who 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 gets shivery and scared faster than black people? We are the easiest people on earth to scare. And uh, I don't think it has to be that way, right? Uh, I, I'd rather talk about what we're capable of doing than to talk about all the things that we're not capable of doing. That's just not fun for me. I don't want to be on the losing team. So um, a couple of things I want to mention here to just kind of close out, because you guys know we started off talking about Joanne Reed and the Cornell West thing, but y'all know how I am. I like to go into the the details of everything. I don't like to just talk about the big picture. I like talking about the little picture. So so the one thing about Joanne Reed, a couple more things I'll mention really quick, is uh, I thought it was really interesting that uh, Joanne positions herself as a person who is a vote blue no matter who kind of person. So uh, what effectively you're seeing with this political entertainment is this sort of gang affiliated politics that says uh, no matter what the Democrats do to black people or against black people, you have to support them because they're going to be better than the Republicans. That's pretty much the standard argument that they make. I'm not even here to argue against that argument. That's life, whatever they want to believe. But I also think that what happens as a result of this, you know, these distorted politics is that they end up being there end up being a lot of lies, uh, a lot of propaganda, a lot of fear, a lot of censorship. Uh, sort of being spread through the community because the goal is to keep black people exactly where they are, to keep black people doing exactly what we've been doing uh, in every election. And uh, and in nine, they can say what they want to say. And then, you know, you have Biden sort of coming back and saying, if you don't vote for me, then you ain't black. And that's also problematic because that speaks of a type of paternalistic ownership that uh, many white liberals feel when it comes to black people. They feel that they own you. They feel that they can control you. They feel that they know better about what's best for you than you do, right? And then as a result of that, uh, it becomes like um, a relationship between siblings where the white man becomes the older brother, you become the little brother. And so uh, with the big brother, he always eats before the little brother. The big brother, uh, he gets to do what he wants to do uh, before the little brother. So that's why, for example, you see schools like Chicago where they have 55 public schools where the children can't, not one single child, not one single child in those 55 schools can read or do math at grade level. Well, the reason that nobody's fixing the problem is because they care more about the teachers unions than they care about the kids. Right. It doesn't mean it's the teacher's fault. Right. We know that it's complex. But uh, but the thing is that if if they were if it's with their children, it would be a state of emergency. Right. Uh, but because it's your children, it's like, yeah, we can let black children suffer as long as the teachers union is taken care of. So this paternalism is a problem because if it, it deviates from what. Uh, I've been talking to you guys about I believe we need as a community to have a black first 
uh, philosophy. And I think it requires us to really fight for that. And so uh, so one of the things I will say to you in terms of a, a simple solution, the solution is economics. Um, I don't again, I don't care who you voted for. I'm not looking for you to vote blue, no matter who. I'm not looking for you to vote red. Uh, I don't care about any of that. Uh, what I'm looking for from you is I need you to vote for yourself. I need you to vote green. And what that means is I think that a wealth plan and an economic plan uh, for all of our families is absolutely essential and critical. In fact, if you text the word boys, sorry, text the word stock, text the word stock to 31996. And uh, this morning, actually, I'll send you uh, some stocks, some AI stocks that I like. Uh, and actually, there's um, an AI ETF that, that I was talking to my students about last night, AIQ. AIQ is the ticker symbol and allows you to invest in a bunch of AI companies by just buying one stock. It's almost like um, an ETF is almost like a multivitamin. You know, if you need vitamin D, vitamin B, vitamin C, uh, you can take a multivitamin and it'll give you all of that, right? So this ticker, uh, the ticker is AIQ. And uh, it's a stock that I'm buying thousands of dollars worth of that stock. I bought some last night. I'm going to probably buy some more tomorrow. It's a long-term investment for my family. And uh, and so each week I can send you some of these um, uh, stock market or profit alerts each week that will help you invest. I'll also send you the $5 a day investing plan. I'll send you um, uh, the, the training I did on how to make money without working. All these things, right? So I'd love to be one of your finance teachers if you are interested. And in, in the Black Business School, we have a lot of free stuff you can take advantage of. So uh, just text the word stock to 319. So I think every family needs an economic plan. I think also uh, you can get ahead as a family by making sure your children are trained on economics early. Don't wait until they get 20 years old. Wait, you know, start when they're two, three, four, five years old. And then on top of that, on top of the economic plan, there has to be sort of a family and cultural plan. Uh, you know, the breakdown of the black family has been absolutely devastating. Um, you know, I, I don't know how people feel about things like feminism and, and all this other stuff. And then there's sort of a male version of feminism kind of happening where men are sort of speaking out and, and expressing their concerns about the behavior of women and all that. And I hear all that. I think a lot of those arguments are very valid. But one of the things I think you have to really process is, is how little you gain or how much you lose when you're trying to compete in a team sport as a solo individual. You know, I think that a man... Uh, if you notice, for example, for the men, most men who are really successful and doing well typically have a wife that is by their side and they chose a good wife or a good family structure. Right. Uh, you know, I, I was watching even Patrick Mahomes, who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs, and he has a wife Now his wife is white now. She's not black, but his father's black, you know, but still. Uh, he has this wife next to him. And, and you think about this, right? Patrick Mahomes has a $400 million contract. He's in his 20s. If he wanted to be a player and just have a bunch of women, he could easily do that. Um, but he chose to have a spouse and a family because there's a stability with that. There's a certain economic rise and momentum you gain from that. And the same thing is true with women. I think that with women, I would encourage you if you want to understand the roots of family, which I think that should be taught as a class. I really do. I think marriage and family should literally if I had a black owned school, I would have a class called how to run a family. Because a family is a, an institution. A family is like a business. Uh, it's, it's one of the institutions they deliberately destroyed along with the family business. So the rebuilding of those institutions should require, in my view, some intentionality on our part. So uh, again, in the Boyce Walking School for Children, I would have a class on running a family. I'd also have a class on running a business because those are two out of the three institutions that existed before uh, integration that died. The other institution that, that existed that did not die was the black church. The church is there, but even church, uh, those who run churches should be trained on economics. They should be trained on family. They should be giving constant lectures and seminars that will shape not just what you know, but also the culture that you subscribe to. 
well, why does this matter? Well, because people who come from stable families, they tend to be better off and happier and healthier and everything else. Uh, I think also nutrition, new, health and nutrition, very important. That's another massive wealth drain uh, that, that, that hits the black community. I think that to make it simple, to make it simple, because I, I know I over talk stuff. I, I, I apologize if it's too much. If it's too much, please just you, you can feel free to walk out. But those of you that want to want to hear the whole breakdown, I, I'd like I'd like to keep going with you. Um, I believe that the solutions for black people is very it's very basic. Um, I don't believe that any good solutions come from the top down. Top down solutions don't tend to work because there's too many people that are controlled. Again, I'm an expert on money. Um, there are too many people that are controlled by the money and the money causes them to have distorted incentives that don't necessarily benefit you. So, so to some extent, black leadership is a racist version of trickle down economics that occurred during the Reagan administration. Trickle down economics is where you have people at the top that have a lot of wealth and power and they trickle down, you know, their, their, their money and their, their whatever to poor people. And it just does not work. Uh, the same thing is true with trickle down politics. The Democrats um, and Obama actually used to talk about this, where he would talk about um, anybody remember when Obama used to say the rising tide will lift all boats and, and people immediately called out that BS and said, that's just not the case. That's not the case historically. Anybody remember when Obama was saying that the rising tide will lift all boats? Well, that's trickle down politics and trickle down politics says if we take care, if, if you take care of the people at the top. So Biden in the Biden administration, they find their uh, their their their. Um, you know, paid off black people, you know, their, their radio show hosts, their, um, their rappers, uh, their favorite TV hosts, et cetera. They, they compensate them. And those people, they have a job of taking the message down to the black community. Well, the problem is that when they're carrying water in that way, they're, they're getting the community to do something that is not in their best interest. You know, so when they come and they say, tell the whole black community that we need to have wide open borders so as many immigrants as possible can come south of the border. Um, that's not taking into account the fact that studies show that, th that excessive immigration does not help the black community because, you know, the, the resources, you, you only have so many resources. Right. Uh, so whereas a bottom up approach is is much better and much more effective. Right. So when I'm talking to you and, and, and I'm not trying to be your leader, I want to be an advisor. Right. So as an advisor that's training you to be a leader. What I want you to understand that in your little space, in your little household, uh, you've got absolute domain. You have more power than anybody in that house, including me. If you invite me into your home as a guest in your home, I am honored to be there, but that is your castle. You're the king of the queen of that space. So that means that in that space, you get to do what we're begging the government to do. In that space, you get to define the policies in that space. You get to decide what the educational policy is going to be. You get to decide what the economic policy is going to be. You get to decide what the agricultural policy is going to be, right? Uh, agricultural policy, what kind of food we're going to eat, what kind of food we're going to have in this house, what kind of food we're not going to eat, right? Whatever, right? And then the economic policy, okay, all the kids going to learn about how to start a business. All the kids going to learn how to invest. All the kids going to learn how to save. All the kids going to learn how to be economically responsible. You get to decide the educational policy. Uh, every day we're going to get on the Internet and we're going to learn something new every day. We're going to learn these skills that that other people may not be learning, but it don't matter what what people are down the street doesn't matter up in this house. And, and I'm going to tell you like this. Let me just say this. I'm about to hang up with y'all because I'm about to go see my mama. And uh, and 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 I'm going to tell you one thing that my mother did. My mother, I don't know where she got this from, but my mother. When I talk about 
like being from the hood, like, like that's, you know, we, what none of us born with a silver spoon in our mouth. Let me just say that, you know, if you went to the neighborhood that my mother grew up in, you would be very nervous because, you know, there's a lot of crime in that neighborhood. So I don't know where she got that wisdom, but one thing that my parents did that I thought was really effective was they never, ever cared what other people were doing in their own, in their house with their kids. You know, so when I would say, like, why would you punish me for doing X, Y, Z? Billy did the same thing and his mother didn't punish him. My mother would just say, I don't care what Billy did, with his, what Billy's mama did. Uh, this is what's going to happen in our house. And that was one of the best things that they ever could have done because there were so many things we learned in our household that other kids were not learning. So when I got thrown out into the world, and I went to the University of Kentucky. I had no money in my pocket. I had a $500 scholarship. That's literally all the money I had. I had to find a way to survive. Not only did I survive, but I actually thrived. It, at first, it was hard. It was very difficult. I didn't have the same support I wished I had, that I'd had. But once I got on my feet and started just hustling, I actually had more money in my pocket than all my friends. I had better grades than all my friends. I was uh, more uh, determined than all my friends. And I was on a path to success. And this was not an anomaly. My sister had the same experience. My brother had the same experience. And so there was something different in our household. Not to say our house was perfect, but that was something that was special. And also that stable family structure was extremely beneficial because we didn't have to go off to school wondering if our parents were going to be divorced when we came back home. Or wondering if our or we didn't have to go off to school with our parents calling us, asking us for money. Right? All these crazy things that happen in a lot of our families. Uh, it's destabilizing. It's very hard to achieve these high level goals when you got a bunch of ghetto shit happening around every single corner. Right. So we it, even learning isolationism. My father at a, at a way back years ago, he he isolated us from in from the ghetto stuff happening in certain parts of our family. He was like, no, we're going to be over here. We're going to let them live like that over there. And then you know, we'll just check in on them every now and then. But we're not bringing their problems into this house. Because this is our fortress and we're holding this down. So I am telling you, I am telling you, um, there's something to be said about that. I'm sharing that story for a reason. You know, and, and you got to realize when I, when you talk on the Internet, every a lot of people are listening and people take things the wrong way. And I, I have people that, um, you know, out here that just say all kinds of stupid stuff because they, I, guess, I guess that that's a sign that people are listening. But I ain't paying attention to them. I'm paying attention to you and I'm sharing this because of you. I'm sharing this uh, knowing that they're going to misconstrue it, knowing that they're going to you know, find something to uh, distort or make fun of. I'm saying this because I want you to hear it. I need you to know that the solution is out there. The formulas are out there, but you got to have the courage to stop listening to these dumbass people that are getting these dumbass results that are leading to a bunch of dumbass kids who ain't prepared to compete. I'm sick and tired. I'm sick and damn tired of seeing black people go out into this world unprepared and told that you're nothing but a worthless, lazy bum and that that's what you're supposed to be. I'm tired. of that. I'm tired of hearing about how disadvantaged we are. I'm tired of hearing about how we, we can't make it without so-and-so's help. I'm tired of hearing about how horrible it is, you know, how we have no opportunities. And, and, and you know, it's, 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 ter- it's like being talked about like you're like you're disabled. I don't like that. And I also don't like the dilution 
of our birthright. I don't like when we are lumped in with gay people and trans people. Like, well, you know, we got black folk, we got trans folk, we got LGBT folk. Shut up. Stop that. Stop telling me that being black is the same as being gay. I ain't got nothing against you being gay. Believe me, at all. Do your thing. Be you. I love you. But stop that. That ain't the same thing. Stop leaning on this idea that somehow we're just lumped in in this category of everybody who's not a white man. I don't, I don't want to be I don't want to I don't want to be a part of all that. I, maybe maybe that's not consistent with who I am. Maybe that's not consistent with my values. Maybe that's just not something that matches who I am. I I just don't like any of that. Right. So they distort your politics in, in a horrible, horrible way. So on the big picture scale, I think that we have to make sure it's 100 percent clear. Like, stop, stop connecting us with everybody else. Stop comparing us to everybody else. And also, I really think on an individual level, the solutions are out there, but you got to be intentional. So, so that's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to ask you, if you can, go home right now and think about a couple of things you can do with intentionality that will improve the plight of your family in this world, right? Intentionality might start with saving and investing a little bit more. It might start with learning some new skills on a regular basis. It might start with rethinking how you're treating your kids or your baby's mama or whatever. You can get online and learn how to be a better parent, how to maintain a better family, how to pick better women, how to pick better men, how to how to how to heal. A lot of us have to heal, too. Like there's so much stuff in there to say about that, but I'm not going to say that because I've already talked a lot. But um, but there's so many things we can do. So I think this supersedes this trumps. All this stuff that's going on in the politics, this, there's nothing that's happening politically that I'm seeing that's going to change your life in any sort of meaningful or remarkable way. Uh, and so so one uh, financial concept I'll introduce you to is there's a concept called um, uh, idiosyncratic versus systematic. Uh, idiosyncratic, uh, value, idiosyncratic variables are things that are specific, basically specific to you. You know, right? Like, like, like who you are, how hard you work, how much time you spend studying, um, you know, how much you work out, you know, just specific things to you. And then there's systematic stuff, right? Systematic stuff might be like government policy or, you know, how many jobs are available or, uh, you know, or, or the weather or just something that's big, something that affects everybody. And one of the things that's true in not just stock market investing, but also in, uh, in life is that the idiosyncratic component of your outcomes in life is far more impactful than the systematic stuff. So what that means is that you can have a person where the whole system is against them, where the whole system has been working to sabotage and stop them and undermine them. And that if that person on an individual basis is determined enough and committed enough to overcome the system, they can definitely do that. So what I want you to do is to lean on that. I want you to lean on this basic idea that the number one variable that determines what happens in your life and the lives of others is what you do. It's what you do. You know, you send a kid to the worst school uh, in America where they're teaching them absolutely nothing. But if that kid has a parent that's telling them to read every day, guess what? That kid's going to have a very good reading level, right? So that what the system's doing is not relevant because what the parent is doing is more important than that. So, so take advantage of your individual power and stop listening to these stupid people on TV because all the, all the, their only job is to manipulate you, keep you vulnerable so they can get you to do the bidding of the wealthy benefactors that are paying their bills. 
Right. That's it. They're carrying water for people. And I know this because I was invited to be a water carrier. Uh, I was I had a, a limited amount of time where I was invited in those circles. I remember Al Sharpton introduced me to the president of MSNBC. I kid you not. And I didn't understand. I was like, why is he introducing me to the president of MSNBC? It took me years to figure that out. And I think he was I think they were vetting me out. I think they were trying to because Melissa Harris Perry, another scholar, got a show on MSNBC. And I think in hindsight, they were considering whether or not I'd be a fit. And I think after they looked me up, they realized I wouldn't be a fit because I kind of stood up to Sharpton when I felt like um, he, he was just kind of saying things that I didn't like. And, and, and I don't like being bullied. You know, I think when he tried to bully me a little bit, I was basically like, I kind of gave him the middle finger. Uh, and then uh, another time where I remember being invited in those spaces where I saw how the water gets carried is uh, I still remember getting those calls from the Obama administration when Obama first got elected. And I remember that I thought what I thought was going to be a two-way conversation where I thought that they wanted to hear what the black community needed so that Obama could fulfill his commitment to the black community. It was actually the opposite. They weren't looking to hear what the black community needed. They were there to tell me what to tell black people about what the Obama administration wanted. And I remember saying, I don't like the tone of this. This, this is BS. Like you're telling people what to do instead of, they should be telling you what to do. Like it shouldn't, it shouldn't be going that way. You know? So, so there is a deliberate effort to manipulate black people. And, and, and unfortunately we've proven ourselves to be the most manipulable people out here. And, and I'm telling you the plantation energy is strong. It's super strong. You, you have black people that will get mad at you for being an independent thinker. Like they'll just, what's wrong with you like they'll beat you worse than a white man will it's the craziest thing so uh i think you just gotta resist you just gotta you know when people start acting crazy or whatever you forgive them for they know not what they do uh you let them be as ignorant as they want to be and uh you still stand your ground and you be the person that you're supposed to be because you have a right to be a free-thinking american you have every right to do what's best for your family. You have every right to do what you believe that you need to do. And anybody who doesn't agree with that, um, I question whether or not they actually care about you. That's my two cents. That's what I believe, and I'm sticking to it. All right, so anyway, guys, I'm about to get out of here. Thank you so much for hanging out with me. My name is Dr. Boyce Watkins. If you want to find this podcast on Spotify, you can go uh, to Spotify and just look up my name, Boyce Watkins. You'll find it there. Also, uh, if you'd like to get Dr. Boyce uh, stock alerts or profit alerts, you can text the word stock to 31996. Um, I'll send you some stocks that I like. Uh, I just sent you a stock this morning. I'll send another one in a few days. I'll also send you the $5 a day investing plan and some other things. And I'll send you a digital copy of my book. It takes a village to raise the bar, a new paradigm for black America. It's a 50 year plan for the black community. Actually, it was a 60 year plan at the time I wrote it. But now it's a 50 year plan because we've gone through the first 10 years of the plan and, and the vision. And it centers around wealth, education, family and community. And I believe that if we uh, think about this plan properly and implement this in, in a meaningful way, I think this will help us get to where we want to get to. But it takes a while to develop that level of power. So uh, I'll send you that for free. Uh, also, don't forget the All Black National Convention happens October 20th in Atlanta uh, at the Marriott Marquis. So if you'd like to join us at the All Black National Convention, then uh, feel free to go to allblacknationalconvention.com. Not only uh, can you buy a pass, but if you want to be a vendor and make money, you have a Black-owned business. There are plenty of people there that want to buy Black. They're, they're, they're prepared to do this. They understand the intentionality of it. Uh, and then two, uh, if you want to be a sponsor, we will promote you on that platform and this platform. So if you have uh, a business, 
that uh, could use some extra marketing and you want some growth and you respect what we do over here, then uh, feel free. And uh, if you qualify to be a sponsor, we don't let everybody sponsor. So, for example, corporations like McDonald's and Burger King, we're not going to have, you know, this is brought to you by Burger King. That's just not going to work. Uh, but if you are if you qualify as a sponsor, then we can consider doing a deal with you. And, and market your business on this platform. So anyway, God bless you guys. Have a wonderful day. Uh, I will see you soon. And I hope this conversation helps somebody. Uh, and I'm going to actually take me a nap and I'm going to see my mama. So I'll talk to you all later. Have a good day. Peace. Here we are, clan the isms, cataclysm, great. Our people out here struggling, trying to make it in this state. Everybody out here doing it, but we the ones who late. Now, family, we the ones who gotta delegate. Get that money in the power, never be fake. Stick to co-sign for three. What did he say? Uh, create jobs, support our own. Educate the same and buy back your home. Got three degrees, triple ten. Three PhDs, now we on the CNN. DBTV, let's talk about negligence. Ignorance is bliss, but we can turn it to intelligence. Believe none of what you hear, half of what you see. Let's break it down here on Dr. Boyce TV. Here we are.